Chapter Seven of Agnes Sorrel by G. P. R. James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seven. This beautiful writing," said the Duke of Orleans, laying one hand upon Jean Charost's shoulder and leaning over him as he added the few last words to a proposal of accommodation between the prince and the Duke of Burgundy. Can the hand that guides a pen so well? wield a sword and couch a lance it may be somewhat out of practice sir replied jean charost for months have passed since it tried either but while my father lived it was my pastime and he said i should make a soldier he was a good one himself and a good judge replied the duke but we will try you jean we will try you now give me the pen i can write my name at least which is more than some great men can do. Jean Charost rose, and the Duke, seating himself, signed his name in a good, bold hand, and folded up the paper. There, my uncle, he continued, you be the messenger of peace to the Hôtel d'Artois. I must go to Saint-Paul to see my poor brother. He was in sad case yesterday but i have ever remarked that his fury is greatest on the eve of amendment would to god that we could have but an interval of reason sufficiently long for him to settle all these distracting affairs himself and place the government of the kingdom on a basis more secure gladly would i retire from all these cares and toils and pass the rest of my days in pleasure asked the duc de berry with a faint smile a cloud came instantly over the face of the duke of orleans nay not so he replied in a tone of deep melancholy pleasure is past good uncle i would have said and passed the rest of my days in thought in sorrow and perhaps in penitence would that it might be so rejoined the old man and he shook his head with a sigh and a doubtful look you know not what has happened here said the duke of orleans laying his hand gloomily upon his relation's arm an event fearful enough to awaken any spirit not plunged in utter apathy i cannot tell you i dare not remember it but you will soon hear let us go forth and with his eyes fixed upon the ground he walked slowly out of the room accompanied by the duke de berry without taking any further notice of jean charost who followed a step or two behind to the outer court where the horses and attendants of both the princes were waiting for them some word some indication of what he was to do of what was expected from him or how he was to proceed jean charost certainly did look for but none was given wrapped in dark and sorrowful meditations the duke mounted and rode slowly away without seeming to perceive even the groom who held his stirrup and the young man remained in the court a complete stranger among a crowd of youths and men each of whom knew his place and had his occupation his heart had not been lightened his mind had not been cheered by all the events of the morning and the gloomy mysterious hints which he had heard of a dark and terrible crime having been committed within those walls brooded with a shadowy horror over the scene but those who surrounded him seemed not in the least to share such sensations death tenanted a chamber hard by 
the darkened windows of the house that flanked the garden could be seen from the spot where they stood and yet there appeared no heavy heart among them no one mourned no one looked sad one elderly man turned away whistling and re-entered the palace two squires in the prime of life began to spar and wrestle with rude jocularity the moment their lord's back was turned and many a monkey trick was played by the young pages while three or four lads some older some younger than jean charost himself stood laughing and talking at one side of the court with their eyes fixed upon him he felt his situation growing exceedingly unpleasant and after some consideration he made up his mind to turn back again into the house and asked to see the master of the pages to whom he had been first directed but just as he was about to put his purpose in execution a tall gaily dressed young man with budding moustache and sword and dagger by his side came from the little group i have mentioned and bowed low to the young stranger with a gay but supercilious air may i inquire he said using somewhat antiquated phrases and all the grimace of courtesy may i inquire beau sire who the beau sire may be and what may be his business here jean charost was not apt to take offence and though the tone and manner were insolent and his feelings but little in harmony with a joke he replied quietly enough my name is jean charost de bracy and my business sir is certainly not with you how can the beau sire tell that demanded the other while two or three more from the same youthful group gathered round seeing that he knows not my name but on that score i will enlighten him my name is juvenel de royat then monsieur juvenel de royat replied the young man growing a little angry i will in turn inform you how i know that my business is not with you it is simply because it lies with his highness the duke of orleans and no one else oh ho cried the young man we have a grand personage to deal with who will not take up with pages and valets i warrant a chanticleer of the first crow sir if you are not a cock of the lower court perhaps it might be as well for you to vacate the premises i really don't know what you mean good youth answered jean charost you seem to wish to insult me but i will give you no occasion you shall make one if you want one and i have only simply to warn you that his highness last night engaged me in his service as what as what cried a dozen voices round him jean charost hesitated and juvenel de royen seeing that he had gained some advantage though he knew not well what exclaimed in a solemn and reproving tone silence messieurs you are all mistaken you think that every post in this household is filled and therefore that there is nothing vacant for this young gentleman but there is one post vacant for which he is doubtless eminently qualified namely the honourable office of instructor of the monkeys the first that i am likely to begin with is yourself answered jean charost amid a shout of laughter from the rest and i am very likely to give you the commencing lesson speedily if you do not move out of my way i am always ready for instruction replied the other barring a passage to the house 
Jean Charost's hand was upon his collar in a moment, but the other was as strong as himself, and a vehement struggle was on the point of taking place, when a middle-aged man, who had been standing at the principal door of the palace, came out and thrust himself between the two youths, exclaiming, "'For shame! For shame! Ah, Master Juvenel, at your old tricks again! You know they have cost you the Duke's favour. Take care that they do not cost you something more!' the young gentleman offered me some instruction said juvenel de royat in a tone of affected humility surely you would not have me reject such an offer although i know not who he is or what may be his capability for giving it he is the duke's secretary sir said the elder man and may have to give you instruction in more ways than you imagine i cry his reverence and kiss the toe of his pantoufle said the other, nothing daunted, adding, as he looked at Jean Charost's shoes, which were cut in a somewhat more convenient fashion than the extravagant and inconvenient mode of Paris. His cordon vanier has been somewhat penurious in regard to those same pantoufle toes, but my humility is all the greater. Come with me, sir, come with me, and never mind the foolish boy, said the elder gentleman taking jean charost's arm and drawing him away i will take you to the maitre d'hôtel who will show you your apartments the duke will not be long absent and if his mind have a little recovered itself he will soon set all these affairs to rights for you perhaps there may be some mistake said jean charost hesitating a little i think that you are the gentleman who introduced the duc de berry about half an hour ago but although his highness gave me the name of his secretary in speaking to that duke he has in no way intimated to me personally that i am to fill such an office and it may be better not to assume that it is so till i hear further not so not so cried the gentleman with a smile you do not know the duke yet he is a man of a single word frank and honest in all his dealings what he says he means he may do more but never less, and it were to offend him to doubt anything he has said. He called you his secretary in your presence. I heard him, and you are just as much his secretary as if you had a patent for the place. Besides, shortly after Maître Jacques Coeur left him yesterday evening, the first time, when he was here alone, I mean, he gave orders concerning you. I am merely a poor écuyer de la main, but tolerably well with his highness the maitre d'hôtel however knows all about it by this time they had reached the vestibule of the palace and jean charost was conducted by his new friend through a number of turning and winding passages which showed him that the house was much larger than he had at first believed to a large room where they found an old man in the lay habit of black but with the crown of his head shaved immersed in an ocean of bundles of papers tied up with pack-thread this is the young gentleman of whom the duke spoke to you signor said jean's conductor his highness's new secretary you had better let him see his rooms and take care of him till the duke comes for i found young juvenel de royan provoking him to quarrel in the outer court ah that youth that youth cried the maitre d'hôtel with a strong foreign accent he will get himself into trouble 
and heaven knows the trouble he has given me but cannot you good monsieur blaise just show the young gentleman his apartments here are the keys i know it is not in your office but i am so busy just now and so sad too that you would confer a favour upon me then bring him back as soon as he knows his way and we three will dine snugly together in my other room it is two hours past the time but everything has been in disorder this black day and the duke has gone out without any dinner at all will you favour me monsieur blaise with pleasure with pleasure my good friend replied the old ecuyer taking the keys which the other held out to him and saying in an inquiring tone the two rooms next to the duke's bedroom are they not no no the two on this side next to the toilet chamber answered the other you will find a fire lighted there for it is marvellous cold in this horrid climate and monsieur blaise nodding his head led the way toward another part of the palace innumerable small chambers were passed their little doors jostling each other in a long corridor and jean charost began to wonder when they would stop when a sharp turn brought them to a completely different part of the house a large and curiously constructed staircase presented itself rising from the sides of a vestibule in two great wings which seemed all the way up as if they were going to meet each other at the next landing-place but yet taking a sudden turn continued separate to the top of the five stories through which they ascended without any communication whatsoever between the several flights quaint and strange were the ornaments carved upon the railings and balustrades heads of devils and angels cherubims with their wings extended monkeys playing on the fiddle dragons with their snaky tails wound round the bones of a grinning skeleton and cupid astride upon a goose in each little group there was probably some allegory moral or satirical but though very much inclined jean charost could not pause to inquire into the conceit which lay beneath for his companion led the way up one of the flights with a rapid step and then carried him along a wide passage in which the doors were few and large and ornamented with rich carvings but dimly seen in the ill-lighted corridor at the end a little flight of six broad steps led them to another floor of the house more lightsome and cheerful of aspect and here they reached a large doorway with a lantern hanging before it and some verses carved in the woodwork upon the cornice here monsieur blaise paused for a moment to look over his shoulder and say that is the duke's bedchamber and the door beyond his toilet chamber where he receives applicants while he is dressing and now for the secretary's room as he spoke he approached a little door for no great symmetry was observed and applying a key to the lock admitted his young companion into the apartments which were to be his future abode the first room was a sort of antechamber to the second and was fitted up as a sort of writing chamber with tables and chairs and stools ink bottles and cases for paper while a large open fireplace displayed the embers of a fire which had been sufficiently large to warm the whole air within within this room was another separated from it by a partition of plain oak containing a small bed very handsomely decorated a chair and a table but no other furniture except three pieces of tapestry representing somewhat grotesquely and not very decently 
the loves of jupiter and leda the two chambers which formed one angle of the building and received light from two different sides had apparently been one in former times but each was large enough to form a very convenient room and there was an air of comfort and habitability if i may use the term which seemed to the eye of jean charost the first cheerful thing he had met with since his entrance into the palace on the table in the writing-room were spots of ink of no very old date and one article belonging to a former tenant had been left behind in the shape of a sword hanging by one of the rings of the scabbard from a nail driven into the oaken partition in passing through jean charost paused to look at it and the old ecuyer exclaimed ah poor fellow he will never use it again that belonged to monsieur de grey the duke's late secretary who was killed in a rencounter near corbeil master juvenel de royan thought to get the post but he had so completely lost the duke's favour by his rashness and indiscretion that it was flatly refused him then probably he will be no great friend of mine said jean charost with a faint smile and perhaps his conduct just now had as much of malice in it as of folly m blaise paused and meditated for a moment he was at that age when the light tricks and vagaries of sportive youth are the most annoying not old enough to dote upon the reflected image of regretted years nor old enough to feel any sympathy with the follies of another age he was nevertheless a very just man and as jean charost found afterward just in small things as well as great in words as well as deeds no he said thoughtfully no i do not think he is one to bear malice at all events not long his nature is a frank and generous one though overlaid by much conceit and vanity and carried away by a rash unbridled spirit it is probable he neither cared who or what you were and merely resolved in order to make the foolish boys round him laugh that he would have what he called some sport with the stranger without at all considering how much pain he might give or where an idle jest might end there are multitudes of such men in the world and they gain good lack the reputation of gallant daring spirits simply because they put themselves and every one else in danger as if the continual perilling of a hard head were really any sign of being a brave man but we must not keep the signor's dinner waiting it is one of his little foibles to love his meat well done and never drink bad wine your eyes seem seeking something what is it you require i thought perhaps replied jean charost that my baggage might have been brought up here as the apartment it seems was prepared for me it must have come some time ago i think my horse too i left at the gates and heaven knows what has become of him we will inquire as we go said the ecuyer but no great toilet is required here at the dinner hour at supper we sometimes put on our smart attire but in these hazardous times one never knows how or how soon the midday meal may be brought to an end thus saying he turned to the door and taking a different way back from that which he had followed in leading jean charost to his apartments he paused for a moment at a little dark den shut off from one of the lower halls by a half-door breast high and spoke a few words to some invisible person within still number nineteen growled a voice from within 
but who's to dress him no groom no horse-boy even we will see to that presently replied the equier and then seeing a man pass along the other side of the hall he crossed over spoke to him for a moment or two and returning informed jean charost that his baggage had arrived and would be carried up to the door of his apartments before dinner was over on returning to the rooms of the maitre d'hôtel they found that high functionary emerged from his accounts and ready to conduct them into his own private dining-room where by special privilege he took his meals with a select few and certainly did not fare worse than his lord and master there might be more gold on the table of the duke of orleans but probably less good cheer the maitre d'hôtel himself was a sleek quiet specimen of italian humanity always exceedingly full of business very accurate and even very faithful by birth a gentleman nominally an ecclesiastic fond of quiet if not of ease and loving all kinds of good things without the slightest objection to a sly joke even if the whiskers of decency morality or religion were a little singed thereby he was an exceedingly good man nevertheless a hater of all strife and quarrelling though in this respect he had fallen upon evil days and his appearance and conduct with his black beard his tonsure his semi-clerical dress and his air of grave suavity generally assured him respect from all members of the duke's household two other officers besides himself and the equier formed the party at dinner with jean charost and everything passed with great decorum all parties seeming to enjoy themselves among fat capon snipes rich burgundy and other delicacies far too much to waste the precious moments in idle conversation jean charost thought the dinner very dull indeed and wondered with a feeling of some apprehension if his meals were always to be taken in such solemn assembly peals of laughter too which he heard from a hall not far off gave the gravity of the proceedings all the effect of contrast but the young gentleman soon found that when that serious passion hunger was somewhat appeased his companions could unbend a little with the second course a few quiet jokes began to fly about staid and formal enough indeed but the gravity of the party was soon restored by monsieur blaise starting a subject of importance in which jean charost was deeply interested he announced to the maitre d'hôtel that their young companion not knowing the customs of the duke's household had brought no servant with him and it was agreed upon all hands that this was a defect to be remedied immediately jean was a little puzzled and a little alarmed at the idea of expense about to be incurred for his education had been one of forced economy and the thought of entertaining a servant for his own special needs had never entered into his mind he could only protest however in a subdued and somewhat anxious tone that he knew not where or how to procure a person suitable but on that score immediate assistance was offered him by the maitre d'hôtel himself i have more than a hundred and fifty names on my books he said of lads all eager to be entered upon the duke's household in any capacity i will look through the list by and by but without giving him time to do so every one of the gentlemen at the table hastened to mention some one whom he would be glad to recommend leading jean charost to say to himself if the post of lackey to the duke's secretary be so desirable how desirable must be the post of secretary itself 
the discussion continued during the whole of the second course each having a good deal to say in favour of his nominee and each a jest to launch at the person recommended by any other there is pierre crouton said one elderly gentleman he was born upon my estate near charenton and a brisker more active lad never lived he has had good instruction too and knows every corner of paris from the bastille to the tour de nesle well acquainted with the little chatelet likewise said monsieur blaise i have heard that the jailer's great dogs will not even bark at him but there is matthew bourne the son of old james bourne who died in the duke's service long ago ay said another poor james when he was old and battered to pieces married the pretty young grisette and this was her son it's a wise son that knows his own father pray what has become of her monsieur blaise you should know if any one does i know nothing about her said the ecuyer somewhat sharply her son came to me asking a recommendation i have given him that and that's all i know trust to me trust to me my young friend said the maitre d'hôtel in a whisper to jean charost i will find the lad to suit you before nightfall come to me in half an hour and you shall have a choice jean charost promised to follow his counsels and soon after the little party broke up strange is the sensation with which a young man encounters the first half-hour of solitary thought in a new situation have you forgotten it dear reader yes perhaps entirely and yet you must have experienced it at some time when you first went to join your regiment when after all the bustle and activity and embarrassment and a little sheepishness and a little pride and a little awkwardness perhaps and perhaps all the casualties of the first mess dinner you sat down in your barrack-room not so much to review the events of the day as to let the mind settle and order issue out of chaos you have felt it then or when you have joined a squad of lawyers clerks or entered a merchant's counting-house or plunged into a strange city or entered a new university and passed through all the initiations and sat down in the lull of the evening or the dead of night to find yourself alone separate not only from familiar faces and things associated with early associations but from habitual thoughts and sensations from family customs and domestic habits you must have felt it then and experienced a solitude such as a desert itself can hardly give seated in his writing-room without turning a thought or a look to his baggage which had been placed at the door for himself to draw in jean charost gave himself up to thought i believe i might better say to sensation he felt his loneliness more than thought of it and memory with one of those strange vagaries in which she delights as much as fancy skipped at once over a period of fourteen or fifteen months and carried him back at once to the small chateau of bracy and on the frugal table in his mother's hall the quaint long windows with one pointed arch within another and two or three pale yellow warriors of stained glass transmitting the discoloured rays upon the floor the high-backed chair never used since his father's death standing against the wall with a knob in the centre resting against the iron chausse of an antiquated suit of armour the plain oaken board in the middle of the room and his mother and the two maids spinning in the sunniest nook 
came up before his eyes almost as plainly as they had appeared the year and a half before he heard the hound howling in the courtyard and the song of the milkmaid bringing home the pail upon her head and the song of the bird which used to sit in march mornings on the topmost bough of an ash tree which had rooted itself on an inner tower somewhat neglected and dilapidated for a moment or two he was at home again his paternal dwelling-place formed a little picture apart in his room in the parisian palace and the cheerful sunshine pouring from early associations formed a strange and striking contrast with the sort of dark isolation which he felt around him the contrast perhaps might have been as great if he had compared the present with days more recently passed for in the house of jacques coeur he had been from the first at home but still his mind did not rest upon it it reverted to those earlier days and he sat gazing on the floor and wishing himself notwithstanding the eagerness of youthful hope the buoyancy of youthful spirits the impetuosity of youthful desires wishing himself once more in the calm and happy bosom of domestic life and away from splendid scenes devoid of all warm and genial feelings where gold and jewels might glitter and shine but where everything was cold as the metal and hard as the stone it was a boy's fancy it was the fancy of an hour he knew that the strangeness would soon pass away young as he was he was aware that the spirit spider-like speedily spins out threads to attach itself to all the objects that surround it however different to its accustomed haunts however strange and new and rough may be the points by which it is encompassed at length he started up saying to himself aha the half-hour must be past and quitting the room without locking the door behind him he threaded his way through the long passage to the office of the maitre d'hôtel the italian seemed to have got through the labours of the day and seated in a large chair with his feet in velvet slippers extended to the fire was yielding after the most improved method to the process of digestion he was neither quite awake nor quite asleep and in that benign state of semi-somnolence which succeeds a well-considered meal happily disposed of the five or ten minutes which jean charost was behind his time had been favourable by enabling him to prolong his comfortable repose and he received the young gentleman with the utmost benevolence seating him by him and talking to him in a quiet low almost confidential tone but not at first touching upon the subject which brought his young visitor there on the contrary his object in inviting him seemed to have been rather to give him a general idea of the character of those by whom he was surrounded and of what would be expected from him by the duke himself than to recommend him a lackey of the duke he spoke in high terms as in duty bound but of the duchess in higher terms still mingling his commendations however with expressions of compassion which led jean charost to believe that her married life was not as happy as her virtue merited the young listener however discovered that the good signor had accompanied the duchess from her father's court at milan and had a hereditary right to love and respect her all the principal officers of the duke's household were passed one by one in review by the good maitre d'hôtel and although the prince and his lady were both spoken of with profound respect none of the rest escaped without some satirical notice couched in somewhat sharp 
though by no means bitter terms even monsieur blaise himself was not exempt he is the best the most upright and the most prudent man in the whole household said the signor just in all his proceedings with a little sort of worldly wisdom not the slightest tincture of letters a great deal of honest simplicity and is what we call in italy an ass such a chart of the country when we can depend upon its accuracy is very useful to a young man in entering a strange household but nevertheless jean charost though grateful for the information he received resolved to use his own eyes and judge for himself to say the truth he was not at all sorry to find the good maitre d'hôtel in a communicative mood for the curiosity of youth had been excited by many of the events of the morning and especially by the detention and examination which he had undergone immediately after his arrival that some strange and terrible event had occurred was evident but a profound and mysterious silence had been observed by every one he had seen in the palace regarding the facts the subject had been carefully avoided and no one had even come near it in the most unguarded moment with simple skill he endeavoured to bring round the conversation to the point desired and at length asked straightforwardly what had occurred to induce the duke's officers to put him and several others in a sort of arrest as soon as he had entered the gates he gained nothing by the attempt however ah poor lady ah sweet lady exclaimed the master of the hotel in a sad tone but we are talking my young friend of a varlet fitted for your service i have got just the person to suit you he is as active as a squirrel as gay as a lark understands all points of service for horse or man and never asks any questions about what does not concern him a most invaluable quality in a prince's household if he has any fault he is too chaste so you must mind your morals my young friend his wages are three crowns a month and your cast-off clothes with any little gratuity for good service you may like to bestow he will be rated on the duke's household and nourished at his expense but you will need a horse for him which had better be provided as soon as possible i advise you strongly to take him but nevertheless see him first and judge for yourself he will be with you some time to-day and now i must to work again aha it is a laborious life good day my son good day jean charost took his leave and departed but he could not help thinking that his instructive conversation with the maitre d'hôtel had been brought to a somewhat sudden close by his own indiscreet questions End of chapter seven